Welcome to the Great Loop Radio podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we are going to bring Karen Nettles from the Homeport crew back, and we're going to do a little bit of a recap of 2023, but focus a lot on what to expect from AGLCA and on the Great Loop in the upcoming year. So Happy New Year to everyone. I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors, as always, who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with the business out of the way, Karen Nettles, thanks for joining me once again on the podcast. Oh, you're quite welcome. Always like doing these with you. It's always good to get some information out to our members, and we've got a lot of that to do today. So where should we get started? Um, I think we just need to start with the recap. Like you said, what went on on the loop, give us a wrap up of 2023 before we move into stuff for 2024. Yeah, well, those of you who were kind of, well, who were on the loop definitely know it was a big year on the Great Loop. A lot of boats out there and probably the biggest challenges this year, the thing that people will remember because the challenges always make the best stories. And the biggest challenges probably were the lot closures along the Illinois Waterway which you know led to kind of a backlog um, we've covered that pretty extensively but we had about 300 boats in in chicago and on lake michigan waiting for those locks to reopen um you know the good news is organizing the boaters our, our members into flotillas to come through kind of on a, a bit of a schedule even though we tell you to avoid a schedule um really did help with the flow of traffic coming out of the great lakes and, you know, the really nice thing to see was loopers helping other loopers. The flotillas working together, the flotilla leaders volunteering to do a lot of the organization and, and legwork. And then, you know, if a boat had an issue along the way, it was great to see that help was there for them through their fellow AGLCA members. So there were certainly a lot of challenges between the lock closure, um, some other minor waterway closures, some lack of fuel in some places. There was really a whole host of things going on this fall on the inland rivers. Um, but for the most part, boats got through pretty efficiently and safely. So uh, that will be something that I think that everybody remembers about 2023. As I said, there were a lot of boats out there. Um, we are still compiling our year-end stats for 2023. Um, in looking at some of the preliminary data, it will be pretty close to a record year for the number of boats that report completion to us. We're still kind of working our way through those stats, um, trying to verify everything. So we won't have the specific details for another couple of weeks. We'll be sure to share them when we do, uh, but it looks like we'll, we'll definitely be above 200 boats that completed the Great Loop. Maybe as many as 240 when all is said and done. Like I said, we've got some things to verify. Last year was a record year, 2022. Uh, we had about 230 boats complete the Great Loop in 2022. As I said, that was a record year. We thought it was kind of a post-COVID bubble because it was the first year that the U.S.-Canadian border was open for the entire season. Uh, if it was a post-COVID bubble, it continues. So it may just be the new norm, but I expect us to be right around that same number of boats completing the Great Loop. We also publish... Uh, kind of the list of the 10 most popular 
boat makes for the Great Loop. Uh, main ship has been the perennial top of the list, and in, in looking at the preliminary data, I expect no surprise there that that will continue. Um, some of the surprises, though, I think Carver will move up pretty substantially on that list to one of the more popular boat brands uh, in 2023 to complete the loop. And I think Nordic Tug will move up a bit on that. So again, look for those details. I, I don't expect much of a change in the average size of the loopers boats that completed the Great Loop. It looks like that'll be right around 40 feet again. It's usually right between 40 and 41 feet when we average out those numbers. So not a whole lot of big surprises that I think all of that will look a lot like it did last year. Um, and, and probably the biggest kind of new thing we did at AGLCA in 2023 was launch our members only Facebook group. Um, and that was actually just started a few weeks ago, but has about 800 members in the Facebook group. It's totally optional. Our members will not automatically be added to the Facebook group, but it is uh, an option and a benefit that's available now to our members. Okay, well, that's good to know. Could you tell us a little more about the Members Only Facebook group? Yeah, it's it's kind of a big change for us, and it's something we have considered for really quite some time, and we decided that now is really the time to do that. Our public Facebook group, which is still active, still there, uh, actually has over 120,000 people in it now, and because of that, we felt like our our primary constituency is our members. Um, the other hundred plus thousand people in the Facebook group are certainly interested in the Great Loop and have joined that group for a reason. Um, but our, our primary constituency is those people who have joined AGLCA. And we felt like they're, they were getting a little bit lost in the shuffle in the big group. Um, and as any big social media group does, it was uh, there were always some challenges. Some of the responses were less than helpful when questions are asked. And we just decided it was time to give our members um, a space on Facebook that was just a little bit more dedicated to them, where they can list Harbor host names without fear of outing somebody to 120 people, 20,000 people. Um, it, it was a tough decision. We've had our members only discussion forum on our website since AGLCA started just about. And we will continue to have that because we know not everybody is on social media. Um, we didn't love the idea of kind of creating two members only places for people to go to seek information or to ask questions. Um, but we just felt like the time had really come. So many of our members are on Facebook regularly communicating that way. It was really time um, for us to just give them the opportunity to share member to member on a platform that they were already spending a lot of time on. So any AGLCA member is welcome to request to join the members only group on Facebook. There is a page on our website that will explain the details to you. Um, as you might imagine, it is uh, not an easy process. We have um, 6,000 active memberships, which is actually a milestone we reached in 2023 as well, as we crossed the 6,000 active memberships mark. Every membership in AGLCA can be shared by two people with their own individual logins, since a lot of our uh, boats are uh, lived aboard by couples. So, you know, we could be looking at 10 to 12,000 people in a members only group. There's no way to automatically sync the Facebook group with our member list. So it's a matter of us having to verify membership, manually add people to the group, and then have a way to remove them from the Facebook group if they let their membership lapse. So we do ask members to put their Facebook profile into their AGLCA profile. 
so that we can keep track of everything. Um, and it, the, the process is all explained on our website. If you go to the interact menu, which is all of the ways to interact with your fellow loopers, um, greatloop.org, and then the interact menu will have an option there for the members only Facebook group well, where all of the details are, are explained. So we're, we're encouraged by how it's gone so far. It is definitely um, a much more helpful discussion. Obviously with 120,000 people in the public group, many of those have not done the loop um, and are answering questions based on general boating knowledge, which is not, they're not intending to do harm, but there's, it, it's not necessarily the same style of boating if you're out there for a weekend versus out there uh, for a year or more. Uh, so the members only group is going well and we're, we're thrilled to offer it as a benefit to those who are members of AGLCA. And the public group is plugging right away as it always has. So if you're a member of that group and enjoy that, you of course can continue with that. And the members only discussion forum on the website kind of remains the place to go for a deeper dive into questions and issues because those that's a place where everyone uh, who responds to questions has typically been there, done that, and has a lot of insight that they are happy to share. And the platform is very well suited to an in-depth response where sometimes I think social media is more suited to sh sharing quick updates and, and photos and things like that. So lots of options there for you. For sure. Um, so you've given us a brief re recap of uh, wrapping up 2023. So as we move into 2024, we always know there's a lot going on at the beginning of the, the year to make members aware of. So why don't we start with the fleet shirts? Yeah, absolutely. One of the reasons we decided to do this podcast topic is because there are so many things coming up at the beginning of the year and we get lots of questions. Um, we're already getting lots of questions about the 2024 fleet shirt. Uh, so if you haven't come across the fleet shirt before, it is, um, you know, I don't mean it for it to sound silly because it, we love the fleet shirt, um, but it's kind of like your high school graduation shirt where the boats that plan to do any part of the Great Loop in 2024 are invited to have their boat name included on the t-shirt. So in the last couple of years, we've probably had in the neighborhood of four to 500 boat names listed on the t-shirt. We do manage to fit them all in there. Um, but of course, uh, we have to set a deadline on that. We can't keep changing the shirt. Um, so uh, starting in January, there will be kind of an open call for our members to provide their boat name if they would like it to be on the shirt. We do not automatically put anybody's boat name on the shirt, even if they have changed their profile on our site to show that they're in progress. Um, it is a, a process that you must actively choose to have your boat name on the shirt. So we'll be putting out a call for members to do that. The shirts are only available as pre-orders. So we will take orders for a period of a couple of months and then you know finalize that list of boats that are going to be included included in the shirt have the shirts produced and shipped out to you so it's a once a year shot um, again you are welcome to include your boat name if you are doing any portion of the great loop route in 2024 and uh, look for more details coming out in early january as well as the ability to add your boat name and order the shirt you can add your boat name whether or not you choose to order a shirt it's all completely up to you but uh, like I said, we're getting a lot of questions about when that process will start because people don't want to miss it. They know it's a once a year thing. Um, look for more details and the process to begin in January. Okay, and moving right along, the next thing is Harbor Host of the Year. We know voting opens soon for that. So how, how does that whole process work? Then our Harbor Hosts are just 
Absolutely amazing. Um, if you are not familiar with our Harbor Host program, we've got close to 600 volunteers around the Great, Great Loop route. And these are other members who have basically raised their hand and said, I'm available to help my fellow loopers when they're coming through my hometown. So the program really started uh, many years ago and it was primarily gold loopers who had finished the loop. And we're just looking for a way to kind of pay it forward for the help that they got along the way. But it really has since expanded to where a lot of people who are still planning for the Great Loop have joined as harbor hosts. Um, you don't need Great Loop experience to be a harbor host. You just need a little bit of time and local knowledge. Um, so harbor hosts basically will answer questions for you. If you, um, you know, for example, arrive and you want to know what the best place to eat in town is or what's the best grocery store, how do you get to a grocery store, um, you know, where do you find a dentist, all those kinds of local knowledge type things. Um, Harbor hosts will answer those questions for you. Some of them will go above and beyond and offer you rides for provisioning. Some will come down and, and you know, they kind of stalk you on Nebo, which is the app that AGLCA uses to find other members. And um, they will approach you um, and proactively reach out and, and see if you need any assistance while you're in town. Um, some of them go way above and beyond that. So each year we like to recognize our Harbor hosts with a Harbor Host of the Year Award. Um, the nomination process is actually open year round. And that was a change we made a few years ago because we realized if we waited till January to accept, accept nominations from the previous year's service, it's a lot harder to kind of think back and what Harbor Host did you talk to and who did who helped you out a lot. So we accept nominations year round so that they can be nominated kind of at the point of service, so to speak. But in early January, we will kind of cull those nominations um, and have a list of the nominees and then open it up to the membership to vote among those nominees for the ultimate winner of Harbor Host of the Year. Um, so the nomination process will close in January and will open up the voting in February for uh, the winner among those nominees. Uh, and then we will present the winner with the award at the Spring Rendezvous. The winner also gets a, a complimentary attendance to the Spring Rendezvous and a lifetime membership in AGLCA. So it's just a way to honor not just the ultimate winner, but also the nominees and all of the Harbor hosts who go well above and beyond. And I think as, as kind of a change this year, um, the Homeport crew may also nominate a few Harbor hosts. And we have realized through the course of a few different activities um, that some harbor hosts do so much for everyone, but perhaps nothing that goes that far above and beyond for any individual. Um, but for example, we had harbor hosts who were in um, the Chicago area while there were hundreds of looper boats there just kind of waiting to go through the locks and were busy constantly assisting their fellow loopers while they were sitting there waiting. So they may have not done anything super duper extra extraordinary for any individual, um, but may have helped a hundred different people while they were out there. So the home court crew is gonna nominate a few um, as well that members may not realize how much above and beyond they went simply by the volume of people that they helped. So a little bit of a change this year, but I think it'll, it'll make the, um, the, the process even better. So look for yeah. that coming uh, January, wrap up the nominees and, Look for the vote coming in February. 
yeah, and certainly the Harbor Host Program is a very important program and very beneficial to our members. And moving on to another big effort, that's uh, for the new year, is the advocacy efforts and fundraising campaign we do every year. Can you tell us a little bit what's going on with that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And going through all this just reminds me why we're doing this podcast on this topic. We just have so much that happens early in the year. Someday maybe we'll figure out how to split this up um, so that everything is not bunched into the first of the year. Um, but the advocacy effort is something that we have little control over when it is um, really the active period. Most state legislatures are in session at the beginning of the year. Um, and Florida is no exception to that. And Florida is where it seems um, it's certainly the state where we spend the most time and effort in our advocacy efforts. Part of that is because anchoring has been under attack in Florida for many years. And if you have followed this process, you know that Florida is the only state where we actually have teamed with some other recreational boating associations and actually have a hired lobbyist to represent our interests. We have found that that's required in Florida. Um, and that is what the bulk of our advocacy fundraising goes to. So the fundraising effort for 2024 will begin soon. We are putting the finishing touches on a budget for that. Um, but I can tell you it will absolutely 100% be needed for Florida in 2024. Um, the state legislature in Florida has just wrapped up a series of committee weeks where bills are pre-filed and some of the committees that these bills must go through on their way to the House floor or the Senate floor have met. Um, there is a bill under consideration right now in Tallahassee. And last week I traveled to Tallahassee to um, essentially testify at a committee hearing in opposition to this bill. Um, if you've been following this issue, and it's a complex issue, but many years ago, uh, several of uh, what are known as the Venetian Islands in Biscayne Bay off of Miami uh, passed a law that restricts overnight anchoring uh, in the waterways near those islands, which was a big loss to the boating community. Uh, We've been fighting that ever since. We have been fighting the addition of more areas in Florida to these anchoring restricted areas. Um, about two years ago, we were instrumental in helping reach a compromise solution. We thought so that we wouldn't have to fight this year after year. Uh, and the current state code includes anchoring limitation areas where uh, boats can anchor for up to 45 days before they have to move on. It's up to the county to request an anchoring limitation area from the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission so that there's a process set forth. And it really gives boaters the ability to anchor for up to um, 45 days without having to move. And it gives the waterfront communities a little bit of teeth in helping to rid the waterway of derelict and abandoned or long-term stored vessels. Um, so, as I said, it was viewed as a compromise solution. We expected that that would eliminate the year-after-year -year battle over more anchorages being closed to overnight anchoring. Unfortunately, some new legislators have decided that they don't like those anchoring limitation areas and they prefer to ban overnight anchoring in some of their areas. So the current bill um, started out adding a few more of those Venetian islands, basically the ones that were left out of the original bill several years ago. And uh, then the night before the committee hearing, it was expanded to include any areas within 200 yards of, Mer of um, Miami Beach shoreline. So essentially the bill now says, 
you cannot anchor overnight within 200 yards of any of the shoreline of Miami Beach. So that includes a lot of Biscayne Bay. A lot of Biscayne Bay that is further out from the shoreline is actually very shallow and unsuitable for anchoring. And Biscayne Bay is really a key anchoring location if you are waiting for a weather window to cross over to the Bahamas. So we are fighting this. I can tell you that the bill seems to be fast-tracked. Um, in my experience, most of the bills I've worked on in Florida have three committee stops and must pass all three before they go to the floor of the House or the floor of the Senate. Uh, the committee hearing last week was in the House, and it is one of only two um, committee stops that that bill will make before going to the floor of the House. Um, Myself and another representative from Seven Seas Cruising Association, which is one of our partners on this, uh, were the only speakers about the bill except for the bill's sponsor. Um, we both spoke in opposition to it and the bill passed unanimously anyway. <laughs> so our visit appeared to have little impact, but it did open the door to a discussion with the uh, House of Representatives member who is the sponsor of the bill. I won't say we were successful in persuading him to see our point of view, but it did open the door of communication, which our lobbyists had already done for us. Um, but, you know, this is what we're facing in Florida. We expect this bill to have many more amendments, which, uh, in fact, the sponsor told us to expect more amendments. We have not seen those, but it would not be a surprise if those amendments are adding even more areas where overnight anchoring would be restricted. You know, as near as we can tell, um, this seems to be waterfront homeowners who just don't want boats anchored in front of their views. Um, that seems to be what the sponsor indicated. He had heard from some constituents who felt that boats were out there too long. Um, as I said, 45 days is what the compromise solution, the anchoring limitation area that um, Miami-Dade County could designate this as an anchoring restriction area. I'm sorry, an anchoring limitation area. Um, the, the sponsor of this bill feels like that 45 days is too long. So he's going for the eliminating overnight anchoring altogether. We're going to need help <laughs> and we are going to need some money to pay our lobbyists. Um, so stay tuned in January as we kick off the fundraising campaign. And, you know, there's going to be some grassroots efforts needed here, too. So we'll, we will be reaching out to members and our viewers and listeners uh, because there will likely be some letter writing and email writing and phone calls needed as these bills progress. There is a companion bill in the Senate already. It just has not started the committee process on the Senate side yet. So stay tuned. So definitely need those contributions, even if you're not an AGLC member, voter in general. For sure. And we'll be um, putting out the details on how to make those contributions um, in the very near future. But at the moment, you can actually make a contribution to our adv advocacy fund from the shop menu on the AGLCA website. So greatloop.org slash shop. You will see a product, so to speak, in the shop for the advocacy fund contributions. And, um, you know, it's basically a dollar and then you set the quantity to how much you'd like to contribute. Um, we don't have our goal set for this year, but I expect it to be somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars. Is that what we'll need to raise for AGLCA's share of uh, paying that lobbyist's contract? Okay, and uh, moving on to another topic or another deadline we have at the beginning of the year. We know a lot of our members like to do the Down East Loop in the summer months, um, and we also have the Burgey available. But we do do pre-orders for that, so you kind of want to tell us about that that process and when that can start. Sure. Um, the Down East Loop is mostly a side trip to the Great Loop. 
rare to do the down east loop in the same season that you do the great loop because the down east loop by itself is usually a two to three month trip um, and if you're not familiar with the down east loop essentially it takes you if you were to start from new york city head up the hudson river uh, into lake ontario whichever route you choose to do that um, or you can go all the way up the St. Lawrence, um, I'm sorry, all the way up the Lake Champlain route. Um, whether you go through Lake Ontario or up Lake Champlain, you work your way to the St. Lawrence River. You go um, downstream on the St. Lawrence River to the Atlantic Ocean. It's mostly an intracoastal type trip, but you work your way around the Canadian Maritimes and New England and work your way back down to Long Island Sound. In the meantime, you're passing um, the picturesque Maritimes of Canada. You're going through the quaint towns of New England and some of the cities, including Boston, um, Nantucket. You'll work your way to Long Island Sound and then back to New York City that way. So it's a summer season cruise for sure because you're going through some of the Northern portions of North America. And uh, basically that's why it makes it hard to do that and the Great Loop in one season. So some of our members do the Down East Loop before they do the Great Loop, some do it after. But it's at some point in time, prior to my involvement, somehow AGLCA kind of became the keeper of the Down East Loop Bergy. Um, So it's something that we have, it's something that we provide, um, but we do require it to be pre-ordered because it's kind of expensive to stock it, not knowing how many people might do the Down East Loop this season. So just like the normal AGLCA Bergy, there is a white Down East Loop Bergy for those who are uh, in progress on the Downey Sloop, and there's a gold one for those who have finished it. Again, optional thing, um, but we will put out the call for pre-orders for that for people anticipating doing the Downey Sloop um, this upcoming season in 2024, and the pre-orders will need to be probably completed by around March, but look for the details on that coming soon as well. Why don't we go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about, um, you know, further from just the immediate what's happening in early 2024 and we'll, we'll kind of expand the discussion to what else to expect in the coming year. So we'll be back in a moment. Cutterman Marine Services is a vessel relocation and delivery service owned and operated by retired and former members of the U.S. Coast Guard. They have crews ready to exceed your expectations wherever your vessel is located. In addition to relocation and delivery services, they offer a host of other marine services such as new owner training. Check out their website at www.cuttermanllc.com or call 855-65-BOATS. You have a lot invested in your boat. Why would you trust it to someone other than the Cutterman? Cutterman Marine Services. Professional, knowledgeable, capable, experienced. Our friends at DockMate offer the world's most advanced, affordable, and safest wireless remote control system for your boat's engines, pods, thrusters, anchor, and horn. Once you activate the DockMate remote control with a simple push of a button, you are able to leave the helm where visibility is oftentimes limited and then confidently and safely control your boat's movement from anywhere aboard. The result is less stress and a safer experience during typical docking maneuvers, particularly in tight marina slips and when navigating through locks, where potential damage might only be a matter of feet or just inches away. Learn more at DockMate.us. Back on the Great Loop Radio podcast, my guest today is Karen Nettles from the Hornport crew, and Karen and I are kind of discussing what's on the agenda for 2024. So where did we leave off? 
Um, you kind of went through some of the deadlines we have at the beginning of the year, what members can expect. Uh, I know another popular thing are our live events that we have. So can you tell us about the events for 2024? Rendezvous coming up in Pensagorda uh, in January. It is January 22nd to the 24th. And uh, registration is still open for that. If you go to the greatloop.org website and go to the events menu, we will have our usual spring and fall rendezvous. The spring dates are set and they are May 6th through 9th in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, the, the fall rendezvous will move back to October because there is no big lot closure that we're aware of at this point. Um, in 2023, it was pushed back into November. Um, and we will also mix into that somewhere uh, two Great Loop Cruising, a Guide to the Looper Lifestyle seminars. Those are day and a half seminars that are a little bit more of an introduction to the Great Loop. And we'll be announcing dates and times for those shortly. Okay. And uh, now that we've talked about events and the deadlines and so forth, what else is on the horizon for AGLCA for 2024? Yeah. Well, um, if you are a member, you probably saw our member survey, which was conducted back in late summer, early fall. Uh, the results of that have been tabulated, and we will be using that to kind of guide our changes in 2024. Uh, but one of the bigger things you can expect is a more widespread release of an AGLCA app in 2024. So look forward to that. And uh, speaking of, we talked about the, the lock closures we had in 2023. Are there any expected in 2024? some closures in 2024, but most of them are not in a time frame that should be very impactful to loopers on kind of the traditional looping, uh, I'll call it schedule. Um, but, you know, if you're following the seasonal loop where you're kind of in the um, Great Lakes in the summer and, and Florida and, and in the winter, these really shouldn't impact you. Um, but the closures that locks on the inland rivers um, in January and February uh, kind of early February, the Kentucky lock will have a closure. There is an alternate route through the Barkley lock. Once Kentucky reopens, then Barkley will close for a similar period. So it'll be kind of late February into March. Um, generally, loopers are not anywhere near that area. Um, but for both of those closures, there is the alternate route. Um, looking a little bit past that, uh, Pickwick lock will have a closure in June and July. Um, again, not too much of a problem for loopers because most loopers are on the Great Lakes then. Um, the Wilkins and Cochrane locks, um, which are on, and I probably should have mentioned, Kentucky uh, and Barkley locks are kind of as you're coming off of the Ohio River, entering the land between the lakes area. Um, Pickwick lock is on the Tennessee River. And then in July and July through September, two closures on the Tom Bigby Waterway, Ten Tom Waterway, Wilkins and Cochrane locks will be closed. Even though that runs into September, most loopers are north of that area still at that point. Um, it may be something that causes some loopers to slow down a little bit if the closure does in fact run through September 30th. So we'll keep you posted on that. Most loopers would not be coming through that area until the October timeframe. And then a final one, um, the Barkley Lock will have another closure in late November into early December. By that time, most loopers are through the Barkley Lock already. And of course, Barkley again is up there, land between the lakes area and the Kentucky Lock is an alternative. Um, so the only one I have a little bit of a concern with is the Wilkins and Cochrane Locks. If there are some loopers who are running a little earlier than most, um, that July through September closure could be an issue. So we'll keep you posted on that. And I think that is everything we had today. Anything final from you, Karen? 
Um, I think that's it. Other than we just probably need to let people know they can always go to the website as all these deadlines and we implement and promote all this stuff. They can find it there. Absolutely. Um, Greatloop.org is our website. Right on our homepage, there is a latest news area where you will find, whether you're a member or not, you can find all of the details of these things as the details come. So, uh, Karen Nettles, thanks for joining me again today. I appreciate it. You're quite welcome. And thanks to everyone who has watched or listened. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. Until then, safe cruising.